podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback, defense, tight end, recommendations based on opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Live in the Stream. Gentlemen, to another episode of Living the Stream. It's been quite a while, but I am JJ Zacharyson, the late round quarterback, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, who I haven't spoken to in in a year and a half, Denny Carter. Denny, what's going on, buddy? Uh, not much, man. I, I'm I'm glad to see that, uh, that that you're alive. That you know my my two month hiatus in a uh, in a cabin in the woods, all by myself, is uh, is over, <laughs> and uh, it's good to hear human voices again. Yeah. It, it, it feels great, doesn't it? And we have, actually have a third human voice uh, on the line with us tonight. Uh, joining us is uh, uh, a lead writer at Pro Football Focus, and he just won Newcomer of the Year uh, at, at the FSWA, the FSTA uh, Awards, um, if I recall correctly. And he's, he's one of the overall just great guys in the industry. I want to send a warm welcome to Pat Thorman. Pat, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's uh, quite quite the intro. I'm, I'm blushing a little bit. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's well-deserved. You've been doing crazy good work. Uh, we'll get into some of that work, of course, uh, you know, on the podcast. Pat was a guy that I actually referenced in the last late-round quarterback book because he did such awesome stuff with tight ends, which we'll definitely be uh, diving headfirst into uh, today. But let's just Let's just talk about the last month and a half, because uh, we haven't been podcasting for the last month and a half. Uh, Denny, did your did your fan and Pat as well? Did you did you guys have success with your fantasy leagues? We haven't we haven't talked, Denny, since week sixteen. Right, I know. Isn't that crazy? It's insane. Uh, you know, people will, will finally know that we actually hate each other. We're not friends at all. Right, right. Uh, now they they finally know. Right, but no, I mean, it's it's been. Uh, you know, I, it's been good to, to get to know my family a little bit again. Um, right, right. To, you know, I, I hadn't seen my... Xavier's like, like six now, right? Right. No, he's in second grade and right. uh, we're... No, I'm, I'm just joking. But it is, <laughs> uh, it is, it's a little nice to not have like um, the, 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 the weekly responsibility of, um, you know, maintaining a bunch of teams and, and getting, you know, like 50 uh, daily teams ready and all that stuff. Um, I mean, uh, trust me, I'm going to want that responsibility in about uh, 15 minutes, but, um, uh, but, but, but it's been okay. I actually did. I don't know about you guys, but you know, I, I dabbled here and there in, um, in the playoffs with, with, with daily games. And I actually, I actually did pretty well, uh, uh, better, better, I would say overall than, than I did in the season, which is strange because you, you know, with the, the limited options, you know, only, uh, four games, uh, a week in the playoffs max uh you you would think that you know it, it wouldn't go that way but i actually had a pretty good time daily wise yeah it was it was definitely different pat were you a big daily guy in in the uh in the playoffs i know that you're you were you're a patriots fan so that probably took up most <laughs> of your time in the playoffs but um yeah actually um i i kind of got smoked in the playoffs um didn't did not do nice. nearly as well as i did during uh during the regular season um which of course I got hot at the end of the season and didn't want it to end, but um, yeah, once the playoffs came around, um, and like Denny said, the uh, the options were more limited, and uh, I wasn't smart enough to scale back my bets and uh, right. 
kind of gave away most of my bankroll, but I still have some left for next year. So that's good. As long, as long as you're ready to, to, to jump in the next year, oh, we, I, I got screwed because I didn't play any, I didn't play nearly enough people in that Kansas city, Indianapolis wildcard weekend. So I got smoked wildcard weekend and LeGarrette Blunt just carried me in the second round, but it was, it was definitely, it's, it's definitely different. It's a different way of kind of looking at fantasy. I don't know if I necessarily, cause you don't have as many options. So I feel like the advantage is a little bit gone. Uh, but yeah, it's still, I mean, it's still a lot of fun. That, that's how, that's how I felt. I mean, you know, I, I was like, well, you know, what am I doing? You know, play, playing right. only four teams. It's there. There's no advantage. My, my lineup is going to be just like everybody else's, but I mean, I, I was, you know, fortunate enough to uh, kind of go all in on that KC Indy game. And, uh, and that, that's, that's pretty much what I'm talking. When I say success, I mean, just that game. You mean that game. <laughs> that specific game. You mean, you mean you had Alex Smith and T.Y. Hilton. That's it. But yes, actually. And yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty much it. So, and, and somehow I faded Jamal Charles. So that was, uh, wow, that's uh impressive. that was nice, but I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, the season overall was, uh, was extremely up and down, uh, daily, you know, in, in, in daily for me. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a a cruel mistress. It is. So we had the we had the Super Bowl, obviously. Pat, I'm sorry about about your Pats. That's that was well expected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, here here's the thing to to our listeners is that Pat's one of the guys that I often can just kind of talk to about. Like we we can push fandom aside and just kind of talk about what's what's real and what's actually happening because it's so easy from anyone that's a fan of any team to to let that kind of override our, our our true objective opinions on on football uh but it was it was nice because we i remember you know we talked about some stuff with with peyton manning and the, and the whole greatest of all time conversation and stuff like that and i do you do you pat as a patriots fan i mean i'm assuming that you're a you're a brady guy over manning correct oh, um yes but probably not as much as as, as you expect I, mean, I think that Manning, who's I think he's got like 240 career starts, and then he's being judged because he's what 10 and 11 in the playoffs. It's like right. it's a small sample that you're judging a huge career on. Right. Um, and Brett Brady's 18 and eight, and won his first 10, so he's 500 since then. And he's no one could tell me he's a, a worse quarterback now than he was before. Right. So it, it's I mean I, I don't I don't rip Peyton as much as as probably most do for the playoff uh, snafus. Yeah. What's amazing to me, because this will transition nicely into the Russell Wilson discussion, because I wrote an article uh, that that Russell Wilson is perhaps the best young quarterback that we've ever seen in the NFL. And that that doesn't mean necessarily that he's going to be better than Peyton Manning or that he's going to be better than Tom Brady. It simply means that through the first two years of his career, he's performing at a higher level than anyone maybe other than Dan Marino. And the one thing that uh, you know I, I took a lot of heat for is is the Tom Brady argument, because he had won a super a Super Bowl his second year. He won three then in, in four years the way that he did. Uh, but but I think the one thing that people don't understand is uh, Tom Brady wasn't really Tom Brady until later in his career. And and I think that that's one thing, and that's just one of the one of the little instances where you know we can't let quarterback wins dictate the way that we actually view quarterbacks. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a, such a symbiotic relationship between you know the defense and the and the offense. And I mean, Russell Wilson's done amazing things, but he's also had a defense behind him that is you know kind of kept his the demands on him um, kind of you know in perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's easy to forget how how we first, or how I guess the ge- general NFL fan first regarded Tom Brady, which was. A nice player who who managed a, a pretty good offense and right. and and didn't make 
the the, the killer mistakes and um, you know got it done in the in the fourth quarter, whatever that means. Uh, and and then um, uh, you know we didn't think of him as this uh, uh, touchdown throwing phenom, this this guy who could shred defenses until you know several years into into his career. I mean, am I wrong to say that? We, you know, in a mainstream way, we didn't think of Brady that way until Moss came on the scene. Yeah, it's it's close to that. I would say probably because Welker was a year before, right? Oh, that was, before. It was the same year, but both were 07. Oh, it was okay. Yep. Because yeah, I know, I know there's the the stat that he had. Uh, tw- he he's never had 28 or more touchdowns uh, without Wes Welker, but he's he's gotten at least 28 touchdowns with Wes Welker every year. But that's obviously that's that's stupid. But I'm just throwing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people people forget about Antoine Smith, and, and even even people forget about Corey Dillon. I mean, that was one of the better running backs right, right, right. in history, and that that offense was, was was based around that balance. And they could have easily lost those first three Super Bowls that they won, you know, just as easily sure. as as they didn't win, you know, against the Giants twice, and and even 06 against Indianapolis, and they couldn't close the deal, and probably would have beat Chicago, you know, in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, it's it's a it's a razor's edge that everyone is judged definitively on. Yeah, and it's it's a, it's ridiculous. And the the other thing that's really interesting uh, is that you know it is a fantasy football driven NFL right now with with regards to fandom. So we we look at players who are good in fantasy football, and not not necessarily us who are are sickening with our our research and the things that we do with fantasy football. But the the casual fan will look at fantasy football and and correlate and connect that to what's going on in the NFL field. And you know since fantasy football is very new for people, maybe two or three years old. They might not realize that Tom Brady was a streamer. Tom Brady would be mentioned on Living the Stream back earlier in his career, which is kind of awesome. So, yeah, I mean, and, and if that, I don't even know. I don't. I he. I don't even know if that was even the case. I mean, I I was playing then, but I don't, I don't recall completely. But you know, it's not like he was superb. Right. I mean, and and it's funny. You know, he's come full circle because um, I know you know he he was owned in a lot of leagues uh, last year, but um, you know he finished as as far as I can tell, QB 13 through 16 weeks. Right. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's outside QB one territory. So, I, you know, technically I guess he was a streamer in, in right. 2013. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how that, how that that's changed and how I think, I think the, the Shane Vereen thing was really, really important for him this year. That's gotten overlooked. I think people just looked at Rob Gronkowski in that situation instead of Seeing because when when Shane Vereen came back in Week Eleven, the, Tom Brady's numbers went up dramatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's going to be key into next year as well as Gronk's health. But uh, that that'll be interesting to see kind of where he gets drafted among those top. I'm assuming he'll be a top twelve quarterback and or QB one entering next year. But um, you know the, the the position's gotten so deep, it's it's crazy. It's really I, crazy. I mean, uh, our boy uh, Alex Smith finished two two spots ahead of Brady. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, it- that's something. I mean, I, I think that your house would have been set on fire in the preseason. Uh, <laughs> yeah. if, 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 even if, even yeah. people here in Cincinnati, they were actually were setting houses on fire. <laughs> well, well, when talking about when when talking about uh, Andy Dalton, especially, yeah, ending up and that that's one story that that still frustrates the hell out of me is the fact that he finished as a QB five when he got like. Such a significant amount of points in like three games. Yeah, I know. He went nuclear th- for three weeks of the season, and he yeah, finished. He does it every year. Yeah, and he finished in the top five, which is just, I mean, that just blows my mind because there were so many games in which he was just useless fantasy wise. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the that's that's the reason you got to look at that weekly data to to get because 
from a weekly perspective, he was only, you know, he was more of a low end QB one rather than, you know, the number five quarterback. Mm -hmm. Anyway, let's transition then into uh, something we we definitely want to talk about, which is uh, this pitch that Pat gave at the the FSTA conference about um, this new way of kind of looking and playing at daily fantasy football. So we, we talked about daily fantasy earlier. For those of you who have no idea what da- I don't know, I, you know I'm not even going to say that because people who are listening to this know what daily fantasy football is. <laughs> yes. I don't know why I would even. <laughs> it's like I'm. It's like I have this mainstream radio station right now that everyone's everyone's tuning in and listening, so I have to explain the dumbest stuff. Right. Uh, <laughs> so Pat, why don't you tell us a little bit about like what you talked about there uh, and and what what the pitch was all about that you ended up uh, winning, correct? Um, no, I, the, the pitch actually, um, did not win. Um, the, 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 fellow who did win was, was, was awesome. He was not nervous. Like I was, he was funny. Um, <laughs> and, uh, he, he you definitely looked good got... on stage though. I saw the, the pictures <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> yes. Looks were, were a little deceiving on, on that one, but <laughs> I mean, it, it did generate some interest. I mean, we had people come up afterwards and we, we have had right. a, a few nibbles on it. Um, but the general gist of it is, um, it's, uh, daily game football game uh, based on floating uh, player salaries which are driven um, by demand throughout the week so basically the more a player is you know added to rosters the higher his price will go and um, on an incrementally smaller basis um, as he's dropped or ignored um, his price will will start to fall Um, the main thing that this is going to accomplish is more accurate pricing which everything the rest of the entire pitch and ideas is based off the accurate pricing Um, mainly for the appeal to uh, gamers is going to be it's going to differentiate rosters more um, just because you're not going to have the same screaming bargains on you know 40 50 60 percent of, of in lineups um, and it also will open up some guys that are typically overpriced eventually their price will fall and, and will kind of become more in play um, so you know there's that's that's the biggest uh, appeal to the users um, the diversified rosters I know that you know JJ you read a column um, uh, talking about the Thursday games um, and how many, uh, you know, what percentage of lineups right. have particular players. I mean, and and not to put you out of a job, but uh, you know that that could be eliminated. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, no, it's 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 fantastic. It, I mean, it makes it makes total sense. Do you have so like if I, if a, have you thought through? Uh, you know, let's say someone gets Jamal Charles at six thousand mm-hmm. dollars and his price goes up to $6,600. Would you then be able to, is there a component of selling Jamal Charles? Um, Well, you'll you'll have him locked in at 6,000. Right. So you have the advantage at the other position. Exactly. So, so whoever jumps on at 6,600 will have, you know, 600 less to spend on the rest of the roster. Um, So you'll, some, so teams will still have some of the same players, but depending on when they lock them in, that their purchasing power for the rest of their roster will be uh, affected. Yeah. I I have to say, Pat, uh, that that when I read this pitch, uh, I guess a couple weeks ago, I I was practically salivating over the prospect of treating this, treating the daily space like an actual stock market, you know, to uh, for it to it would open up Tuesdays. Is that correct? Yep, exactly. Yeah, it, it would come up on Tuesday, um, and prices the prices will start to float uh, immediately. And, right. and what it what it also does for you know for whoever's running the site 
it, it creates, you know, week-long engagement in the site. So besides right. the usual rake that, you know, the site makes, which obviously is wildly successful, um, you're going to have, you know, exponentially more site traffic that you can monetize. And you can even charge, for, you know, from a penny to a nickel um, for a transaction fee, where it's a small price for, you know, gamers to ensure, you know, their lineup. But uh, the cumulative effect, you know, as this catches on, you know, could you know, eventually add up to something. So there'll be kind of three revenue streams versus the, the current one revenue stream. Yeah, and I, I feel like from a from like a content perspective, so like with, with the number fire stuff, we have uh, we run our algorithms and they spit out an optimal lineup. Uh, but from there, we'll, we're just writing an article, right? And we're explaining why our lineups picked the guys that they did. But with this, it's almost like you actually, you know, uh, it's it's not necessarily a detriment to some to a site like Number Fire uh, that's that's writing about these static prices simply because you could then write more content around these dynamic prices and how they're changing. Yeah, yep. I mean, I, I I could write about this all week. I was thinking about right. it. Right. I mean, I, I, it it would it would be an obsessive's dream to have this available. <laughs> yeah, and it's and like because, the stock market. Yeah, yeah, right. Because th- just th- think of this, okay? So, so as a as a as a total degenerate, you know, sometimes we know on on a on a Tuesday morning or afternoon that um, you know player X has a, an incredibly favorable matchup this coming Sunday, right? Um, but you know, player X is not is not um, uh, you know, re- really priced very high, and we know that by Thursday or Friday, that everybody will will have them on the roster. And this is what Pat in the in his article calls the incubation period. There's a, you know, five days of of you know um, people writing about it, of uh, projections being made, of uh, talking about it on Twitter, uh, until you know, like like Pat pointed out, <clears throat> you have lineups. Um, with uh, you know that looks similar. You know you you have value plays um, all over the place. Uh, people who are clearly um, mispriced, mm-hmm. and but to be able to take advantage of that be and and then watch that player's price rise at as you secure him, lock him in at a low at a low price. Right. Which I mean that that just that that adds a, that adds an element. That just blows my mind. I, I love this idea. Yeah, and imagine what happens whenever, uh, whenever like Matthew Barry publishes an article and and it's uh, and he likes someone, and yeah. all yeah. of a sudden you see. Although it's not like Matthew Barry is writing about daily, but you you get the idea. If someone if someone big is writing about mm-hmm. daily fantasy and they you like guys. someone, and all of a sudden their price just like doubles. <laughs> sure, I, I can yeah. I can tell you one. I mean. Uh, um, uh, on let's see it was this divisional round yeah divisional round um on on roto world um uh roto world pumped up um darren sproles as a as a big value play as as pierre thomas would miss that game and um no no you know what wild card against the eagles um and uh you know so everybody and their mother had freaking Darren Sproles in their lineup, and right. and who who was but you know who was the play it was Ingram except so. for Evan Silva he was he was just he was just messing with everyone <laughs> right. but but it's just it's just things like that 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 really uh you know alter the way that that lineups are composed um and and I think that this this sort of format would um, mitigate that a bit. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, I mean, the, the, and you can also have um, like you know, Twitter uh, price change alerts. So, so like you just said, if, if Matthew Barry writes an article on somebody and his price jumps, everyone that you know follows this, this service on Twitter immediately is alerted to that, so they can 
then go go to the site. It, it's kind of all about continual site engagement, um, and and for both for degenerates and for the site owner, it, everyone kind of wins. Yeah, that's it's brilliant. I mean, it would work. It it would be perfect. It yeah, would be awesome. I, so so if a guy, I'm just 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 hypothetically, you know, like last year. Uh, say with like the Bills backfield, you know, say, say CJ Spiller went down. I know it's hard to believe for people who owned him last year, <laughs> but, but say CJ Spiller went down with some bad injury on, on Sunday. Uh, um, and then uh, I was going to say Monday, but obviously the Bills wouldn't be playing on Monday night. Um, the, <laughs> is that too much? Sorry. <laughs> um, and then, so, so obviously Fred Jackson would be a big, a big time play. Now, would he be priced, at a, at a at a higher price because of that injury just instantly pat um well I, I, every every week um in the initial projections which is one of the tie-ins to pff um to, to use you know um our initial projections to kind of make sure that the prices are are as sharp as you can get you know right off the bat even before market drives them um mm-hmm. you know that that will all be taken into account um before those initial prices are launched on mm-hmm. uh on tuesday Gotcha. And I mean, you know, these these sort of uh, um, uh, changes to a player's uh, uh, value, weekly value happen sometimes, you know, uh, pretty suddenly. I, I, I guess you, you guys remember Andre Ellington getting that start against the Falcons. Yeah. Um, after um, suddenly, you know, on Sunday morning, the Cardinals were like, oh, yeah, uh, Mendenhall's not going to play this week. Uh, and would it look like he, he actually was going to play? And it was like a, a race, you know, a race to your daily lineups to see who could plug in Andre Ellington anywhere they could, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, so the players' values they swing dramatically sometimes. Yeah, it's it's a really really interesting idea. I think I, I hope that one of the sites adopted. I mean, it's it's really cool, Pat. Good work yeah, with that. Thank you very much. Thank you. I, I hope so too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be a lot of fun, especially for us who who would. I mean, that that, that could create jobs, Pat. Hey, I'm all about the economy. You're you're creating jobs. You're a job creator, my god. Oh man. Anyway, so let's let's now jump in uh, to one of one of our favorite positions in fantasy football to kind of analyze, which is the tight end position, which is one of the the three main streaming positions that we talk about on the podcast. Um, I have in the notes quickly described tight end streaming for for new listeners or streaming for new listeners. Uh, that's kind of like daily fantasy football. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you probably already know what streaming is. But, um, I mean, just really quick, it's just playing a different guy based on matchup every week, a guy that, you know, you're not plugging and playing every week. You're getting him off the waiver wire. You're playing him maybe sometimes off your bench. But a guy that really has no week-to-week value, but he does in that particular week because he's he has a good matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because, it, because uh, quarterbacks and tight ends and defenses, you're only starting one in your lineup. It's very easy to stream them because the, the demand for those positions is very low. Um, so that's, that's, was that good? Is that, does that do it justice? Yeah, because they're onesie positions. They're onesie positions. I can't believe I didn't say that. Come on, <laughs> man. Jeez. Oh man. That would have just kind of, would have just blown people's minds. Onesie. They wouldn't have known what to do. <laughs> um, so we've each kind of done different work on tight ends. And I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I, I referenced a lot of Pat's work uh, from last year in, in last year's late round quarterback edition. Um, so Pat, I don't know if you're, if, if you have it in front of you or if you know it off the top of your head, but do you want to talk about some of the findings that you had uh, in your tight end streaming uh, analysis? Sure. Um, yeah, I have a couple of the, couple of the main points. Um, basically what I did was I took um, the top, 
25 uh, tight ends from 2012. And I looked at their average points per game. Then I, I looked at their average points per game versus top half tight end defenses for fantasy. And then also against bottom half tight end defenses. And just to kind of see, you know, where they were in case there's any sweet spots to kind of, you know, to stream. Um, and real quick, what I found um, out of the top 25 point scoring tight ends, 18 of them averaged more points against bottom half defenses, which makes makes some sense. I mean, it's, it's a pretty good um, percentage, but it uh, does make some uh, some sense. But the interesting uh, part was um, from tight end 11 through 25, only two of them averaged more points against top half uh, tight end defenses. So um, you kind of saw a, a kind of a call um, to, to potentially stream there. Um, and the, the per game uh, statistics was um, for, for the tight end 11 through 20, um, which is kind of right where people are going to be streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they scored 4.7 points against top half tight end defenses but 7.4 points against bottom half tight end defenses, which is a pretty significant average considering the top 10 tight ends averaged 8.2 points um, as a whole. So they um, the from 11th through 20 against bottom half fantasy tight end defenses averaged over 90% of the top half average, the top 10 average. So basically, you know, we saw an opportunity to you know, to stream if you can identify the bottom half defense, which, as we know, is, is tricky, especially early in the year. Um, you can approximate you know, over 90 percent of, of the top 10. So it, there, there was something there. And um, and we kind of you know, ran with it a little bit. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, what you just mentioned is something that Denny and I were kind of chatting about maybe earlier this week, maybe late last week. Uh, but it's about the idea that we don't know who those bad defenses are at the beginning of the season. So that alone kind of uh, you're at a disadvantage if you're, if you're streaming tight ends, but I think kind of on the flip side uh, is that if we ignore opportunity costs, if we ignore where other tight ends like Jimmy Graham or Vernon Davis or like, you know, the higher end tight ends where they're being drafted, if we're just comparing a team with a high end tight end compared to a team that's streaming tight ends at the beginning of the year, I think the one thing that we have to remember is that, at the beginning of the year, all teams are going to be a little bit more volatile. Uh, you know, there's going to be a, a team like Vern. Like w- when when we say we don't know uh, what those opposing defenses, how strong they are, or what they're going to look like. Well, we also don't. We we also can't assume that Vernon Davis is going to average 11 points per game. So I think that is is kind of comforting from a from a tight end streamer's perspective. In that you know, if you are streaming these random guys like Kobe Fleener one week and then Mercedes Lewis the next. Uh, you know, it's not to say that, sure, you know, you might you might not have a great idea uh, as to how good their opponents are at the beginning of the season, but a guy that has Vernon Davis might be a little bit worried as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, Denny, you also did some work this week, uh, in, or last week, on some tight ends. Do you want to talk through that? Yes. Because uh, I, think, I think all of them will come together, and then we can just kind of talk about this stuff. Yeah, and I'd say Pat's uh, numbers um, – were, were really encouraging, you know, from a from a, a streamer's perspective, the um, kind of the exploitation of those bottom half teams um, was uh, was something that uh, sort of just grabbed my attention as as you know, so, so I don't want to say like definitive proof that streaming is is the way to go, but it's pretty close. Um, so those are great numbers. But here, here here's what I learned, you know, besides uh, the the numbers, uh, don't don't ever call someone a tight end whisperer. 
because the, <laughs> the, the sexual innuendo really flares up at that point. Was that, was that, was that your, your boy Gary Kubiak? I, I, yes, I, I called Gary Kubiak. <laughs> 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 playing off the Mark Tressman quarterback whisper thing and and uh, most of the responses to that on Twitter and Facebook and Reddit were like like you know Kubiak <laughs> Kubiak needed money in college <laughs> oh man so anyway no more tight end whisper for now on but um uh okay so just just summarizing three articles I wrote for XN Sports on on Tight end, a tight end streaming review from the season that was, which I think is actually uh, as important, if not more important, than in-season in analysis because it really allows for a step back uh, and a look at the wider picture. Because uh, you guys know, everybody knows, uh, when, when when you're in the heat of the season, there's very very little you know wide view going on. You know, we're 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 focused on one game, one decision at a time one matchup at a time. So it's good to step back and look at this. Um, uh, there are there were more tight end, uh, top 12 weekly tight ends than there have ever been in 2013. There were um, uh, 52 uh, compared to 47 in um, 2012. So that, that just means there were 52 tight ends who had at least one top 12 finish. And is that is that standard or is that PPR? That was standard. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think uh, it's actually, that's even, that's more encouraging for uh, standard leagues. Cause I think the, the numbers that, um, that I was working with had like 46 and in, in PPR. Oh really? Okay. Which kind of, I mean, which makes sense. Cause you're getting more consistency with guys that are catching passes. Yeah. And I mean, in standard, I mean, if you just look down the list that I, that I wrote about on XN, you'll see that uh, guys made that crack that top 12 with one catch for one touchdown. Sometimes. Right. Right. Exactly. So right. A lot of times it was just a, a, a nine yard catch, nine yard touchdown catch. And, and, and bam, they, they were the 11th highest scoring uh, right. tight end of that week. So, uh, so that, that, that was encouraging um, targets for streaming, likely streaming options. And, and I, I guess we all define that a little differently. Um, I, I define it as uh, tight end 12 through 24. Um, uh, to the targets for that for that group of tight ends was down uh, somewhat significantly from from 2012. Um, they were averaging uh, about 70 targets per season that group compared to 77 in 2012. Um, and and so that that was you know, I, I guess it wasn't you know uh, like a nightmare to see that that drop, but it was unexpected. I I kind of expected it to to level out. But but not but not drop, mm-hmm. um, and then finally, um, just talk getting back to exploiting, you know the worst um, the 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 worst defenses against tight ends. There was just sort of a a stagnation there um, as far as um, how many points uh, the ten worst defenses versus tight ends were giving up to the position. I I know this is this is all sort of hard hard to keep track of here, but. Um, in, in 2012, those 10 worst defenses were giving up, uh, 8.3 points per game in 2013. They, they gave up 8.9, uh, points per game. Um, it's still the, the peak level of, um, exploiting those, uh, bottom 10 defenses was 2011 when, uh, they gave up 9.2. Yeah. So, so, but it's all, it's all in that same range. And I, 
I, I suspect that we're not going to see increase in that in that number. And that, I guess that that's fine. But it's I think it's important to know. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the 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 targets uh, with the the mid range tight ends, uh, with the the tight ends twelve through twenty four, and how they went down a bit uh, from twenty twelve to twenty thirteen, correct? Right. And and so I mean it, that lines up. I did I did an analysis as well on some of the tight ends, uh, and I looked at the percentage of tight end targets divided by the number of QB dropbacks. So the amount of times a quarterback went back to drop back to pass. How many? How often was he looking at a tight end? And uh, over since two thousand nine, that number hovered nineteen point three to kind of nineteen point eight percent. And this year, that number dropped to eighteen point six percent. So yeah. you're looking at and that's from that's tight ends as a whole. So basically, what happened from twenty twelve to twenty thirteen is that the tight end targets dropped. They dropped by about one hundred and sixty two targets. I want to say I mm-hmm. think it was. Uh, so they, they dropped, but the, the passing volume, the number of dropbacks in the NFL rose. So given that, there's a dramatic – there's a whole whole percentage point decrease in the number of tight end targets divided by the number of total dropbacks that occurred in the NFL this year. And I think, I think the one thing to keep in mind that people are going to kind of come back and say is, well – uh, you know, Jimmy Graham wasn't 100 percent towards for some of the season, and then and then obviously you had Gronkowski who was out for a significant amount of time. Aaron Hernandez was in jail, not even watching football, and so you had these situation. And then you had other guys like a Dennis Pitta who was hurt, and so on and so forth. But I think at the same time, one thing that you have to remember is that we saw a, a legitimate uh, kind of uh, influx of tight end talent this year. Mm-hmm. We saw guys like Jordan Reed. You know, we saw players in, in Jordan Cameron. Uh, you know. And, and I think at the same time, while we're saying, oh, but Gronkowski wasn't there, or Hernandez wasn't there, well, we still had some significant tight ends. So I thought it was interesting just to kind of see how that um, how that kind of worked and to, to see that t- tight ends weren't being used as much this season as they were last season. But that being said, the one thing that was interesting, and, and you guys know that at Numberfire we use net expected points, which is basically looking at a football field and determining – how many points, how many expected points a player is adding for his team. So if there's a, you know, if, if it's first and 10 on the 50, there's an expected point value uh, given that game situation, given that down and distance for that play. And if a player contributes positively or negatively on that play, uh, that that change in expected point value is then associated with that player. So then you add up all those little individual instances to kind of get your expected points for that particular player. The one thing that was really interesting is that tight ends were much more efficient in terms of net expected points this season than they've ever been. So we have higher efficiency uh, with lower volume, and, and which, which the low volume seems to deter and, and to make people be turned off from tight end streaming. But I think the efficiency is something that, um, you know, to your point, Denny, about how the, those bottom 10 defenses still were allowing a, a decent amount of points to tight ends, I think it's because of the efficiency. I think that, that could play a big role in that. Yeah, if the efficiency numbers in, in your article were also really hopeful and kind of uh, kept me from, you know, crying in the shower too long after looking at the drop in <laughs> the drop in yeah. target. Did the Devis shower up in the cabin? <laughs> yeah, with, yeah. No, it's it's been a while. I I uh, I'm ashamed, but no. Did you grow a beard up there? Are you are you trying to are you being more like me? Well, I mean, it took me uh, it took me about two months to grow what you grew this afternoon. So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I actually, during our hiatus, I grew seventeen beards. <laughs> yeah, I saw a tweet. Uh, you said 
on Twitter that your <laughs> your beard had a beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it got out of control at one point. Oh man, that was good. That made me laugh. <laughs> it was pretty pretty ridiculous. So let's just you know. So basically, the the gist of things seems to be that. Uh, Tight end streaming works according to Pat's article, right? We all know that the that these tight ends, eleven through twenty, and the ones that you're streaming, are still producing against these bottom half defenses. And then, according to your article, Denny, we saw that it was still effective in 2013, and that it was still working, and that these tight ends, despite perhaps seeing less volume, were still producing. Uh, and then that was backed up even further by by more of a, a high level view of it. Mm-hmm. Correct? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, overall, I think it's it's moderately good news for tight end streaming. Yeah, it's fine. It's it's also, I mean, we're going to, eventually, I'm going to really dig into the whole Jimmy Graham thing, like I did last year, which is just going to be a disaster. That that just turned into such an argument on Twitter. Oh, dude, that's hard f- uh, fight to fight. I mean, is that, Pat, did you have any experience with that Jimmy Graham situation? I, I, I was watching uh I was watching as a foyer. <laughs> I was just uh <laughs> enjoying it from afar. And it and it would randomly then like someone would randomly tweet about it like a month after I thought it was it was done and we were done talking about it. But this year I think the angle that I'm gonna take is the idea this is a teaser, by the way, is <laughs> the idea that Jimmy Graham is more valuable as a wide receiver than he is a tight end in fantasy football. It's just just wow. the idea. Yeah. That's 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 the direction it's gonna go. It's gonna be interesting. We'll see what happens. Wow. Um, yeah. I I already see the I already I especially on Reddit, which obviously is a a, a, a snake pit of fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it it's it's the whole VBD thing because I think the the one thing that we look at with streaming is that value based drafting, um, which looks at season long projections, doesn't really work for streaming, right? Like it's right. It's it's not applicable. It's no, just, no, it's, it's not. not because because you're not going to use, you know, your Charles Clay against a top a top flight defense right. against tight ends. I I will say I do I do enjoy I still enjoy the old argument. It's like if I'm rolling out Jimmy Graham and you're rolling out Charles Clay, I win. Right. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What? Right. There's so many. There's so many things in fan. That's true. There's so many things in fantasy football that are. It's not. It's not linear. It's not this one-to-one relationship. Just because Jimmy Graham is outscoring the rest of his position by three points per game, that doesn't mean. I mean, it means something to me, but that doesn't mean. That's not the end. That's not yeah. the end game. There's so much more to look at when you look at that. You got to look at where he's being drafted. You have to look at what his. Uh, replacement level players look like from a week to week perspective, not a yearly perspective. I mean, there's so much to really dig into. It's just so funny. Like, like, uh, like. Okay, yes. If if I if our teams consist of one tight end position, <laughs> right. and I and I decide to invest in Charles Clay, then right. yes, I've lost. <laughs> right, right. It's like it's like if that's really how you're gonna judge fantasy, then I will pick Jimmy Graham first overall next year. Oh, so like I will do it. And it, but my favorite are also the people that like you're drafting your team with people who like aren't super experienced in fantasy football and you're waiting on a quarterback or, or something and, and like you get a guy like Andy Dalton in like the eleventh round last year, right? And you just did it because you you basically did it because you needed to fill a quarterback void, right? It gets to the point where you're just like you're drafting a quarterback because you need to. Mm-hmm. And 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 everyone's just laughing at you and they're like, Oh, but but Aaron Rodgers scores so many more points than Andy Dalton does. And it's like, all right, dude, like, why are you trying to do this? Like, 
like this like this is like one of my best friends is in med school right now right and he's he's he loves sports he's a great guy but he's a, a shit talker and it's so annoying because he sits there and i'm like i'm like dude i'm not telling you how to fix this rotator cuff like i i'm not i'm not explaining how to do that like right. i look at this stuff daily like hourly minute every minute i'm looking at this stuff and and he still tries to say that i'm wrong Oh, yeah, I know. It, I, by the way, w- watch watch next year. I mean, in, in your you know more casual leagues, watch Russell Wilson creep up in in you know his ADP creep up because he won a Super Bowl. Yeah, and, that's, and on, yeah. on draft day, you you are, I guarantee you, people listening to this podcast right now, you're going to hear league mates say, uh, "Boom, drafted the Super Bowl winning quarterback." I you know basically I win. I. Right. I I promise you that that's that is going to affect his ADP. The fact that he won the Super Bowl, the right. fact that that he's on a run first team and has sometimes very limited opportunity and sometimes just takes the air out of the ball because his defense is so ridiculous. None of that will factor in. It's just it's just hey man, look Russell Wilson better than Peyton Manning. That's all I'm saying. Right, right. It's such a it's such a different beast, and I don't think people still get it. I know they don't still get it. Anyway, let's look at uh the so. We talked about tight end streaming. Let's look into 2014 really quick, just from because then we can look back and listen back on this podcast and realize how idiotic we sounded. So yeah, the uh, yeah. The, the 2014 season. Um, you know, it, it, we know that tight end streaming works. Is it going to be different this year? I mean, we have someone like Jimmy Graham who has an ADP of something. You know, in the first round, maybe pick six through ten. Pat, do you think that someone like Jimmy Graham is worth it? Or are you still going to stick with? With tight end streaming in 2014, I'm I'm gonna still stick with tight end streaming. Um, I I think I mean I've, I'm kind of a running back, running back, maybe running back guy in general. Um, yes, and I love it. Um, I've started to come around even thinking about wide receiver early, but I, there, there's so much opportunity to stream tight end that I, I I don't think I'm gonna take the plunge with Graham. Yeah. Denny, are you in the same boat? I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, I think that Graham is a pretty locked and loaded first round pick, right? And, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. and so I, in that, you know, I, I think that your, your, your great article last, uh, I think July or August was, uh, a, a good kind of, you know, takedown of the, of the, the Graham and the first strategy. Now, again, you know, if Graham for some reason falls at, to a certain point, of course I would, you know, cut off my left arm to have him. He's an unbelievably safe option. And, um, so, but yeah, I'm with Pat. Yeah, I, uh, I I mean I'm obviously in the same boat as well, and and I, I'm I too am a traditionalist with the running back, running back. But the why I, I last year really really entering the season I did a little bit of digging, and I do like the whole elite wide receiver strategy at the beginning of the draft. Yeah, I I, I would say, and and I know you guys thought about this as much as I have, but the um the whole like you know I'm committed to. I I miss I made the mistake last year of saying I am committed to running back running back, right and right. and I did not adjust for the the preferences and the selections of my league mates and they were they pretty much across the board had the same feeling and that that opened up a ton of value for the top the top of the top the elite of the elite wide receivers and you know I have a feeling that the opposite is going to happen this year where. People are going to say, oh, my God, I got to get my elite wide receivers in the first and second round. And suddenly you're going to have top flight running backs available in the late second and early third rounds. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely could happen. Um, so, you know, the other thing to, to remember, too, is that tight ends much deeper or uh, much deeper than people realize, I should say. Uh, I think, you know, we, we have someone who's like Vernon Davis, who played just as well as Jimmy Graham production wise towards through like the second half of last season. Um, you have Gronk will, will hopefully eventually be ha- be healthy. So that'll be an interesting uh, situation to monitor. But you have Julius Thomas, Jordan Cameron, Jason or I don't even know why Jason Witten's listed on here. But Jordan Reed, <laughs> you have Jason Witten, guys. Um, awesome. J- Jordan Reed, and then you still have Mr. Reliable Greg Olson, who actually came in with like the third most PPR startable weeks this year, That's, which is insane. You know that he's he's just he's just unappreciated, pretty much. He re- he's super unappreciated because he's not he he doesn't have a high ceiling typically. No, typically, no. Uh, but. It, he's he's an interesting guy every single year. Uh, you have Dennis Pitta now with Gary Kubiak. Um, you have Charles Clay. You have Heath Miller, who, who will be healthy. Yep. Owen Daniels, who will be healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ladarius Green. And then, you know, uh, Norv Turner is yes. going to have Kyle Rudolph. Rudolph. Right? I mean, that's going to be it, – it, it's it's a lot deeper, I think, than people realize. With, with And a lot of those guys, too, are going to be uh, selected as tight end twos. So they're either not going to be selected at all or they're going to be riding someone's bench. Definitely. So. We'll, we'll get into all those guys. I, I kind of wanted to look at Rudolph. Um, Pat, have you done anything on Rudolph yet? Um, aside from, you know, being excited about uh, Norv, um, no, it's kind of still kind of a holding pattern to see who's actually going to be throwing him the ball. Right, um, right. But, but <laughs> I mean, it, he, he looked pretty decent last year, you know, before he hurt himself against, I think it was Dallas or whatever. But, um, yeah, he's I mean, he's certainly talented. The problem is not Rudolph. It's, you know, obviously his quarterback. Right. I mean, as Rich as Rich Rebar from XN Sports, our buddy said, if Norv Turner can make Randy McMichael a top 10 fantasy tight end, yeah, then he can make anybody a top ten fantasy. Yeah, player. that was that was probably the biggest finding that I had when looking at the, our expected points metrics last year with North Turner is that basically Jordan Cameron last year entering the year I viewed him as Randy McMichael. Like, peer, that's 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 what right. that's what North Turner can do with anyone. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and I think his his ADP was I think thirteen or fourteen Cameron last year. So I mean, you were getting him basically as a streamer. Right. Exactly. Oh, it's unbelievable. Wow. It is unbelievable. Anyway, th- um, so that's that's kind of it with the tight end stuff. Just one one, um, one more thing about about tight ends. I just real quick. Yeah. Um, I, I I matched them up, um, tight end one with tight end one between twelve and thirteen. Um, like all the way down the line for the top thirty five tight ends. So I looked at the first group of tight end one in uh, two thousand twelve, uh, one to ten in two thousand twelve to two thousand thirteen, um, and. I looked at fantasy points, and out of the top 10, eight out of the 10 um, in 2013 scored more points in 2012. But then when you looked at the next group, from tight end 11 through tight end 33, every single one of them scored more points in 2012. Wow. And except for one, there was a tight end 12 was a tie. Um, so from 11 to 13, 2012 outscored 2013, you know, one for one. The entire every, that entire group uh, targets were, were similar. Um, the top ten, 2013 um, was got the edge six out of ten. But then from 11 to 13, 11 to 33, uh, excuse me, only two in that group had more targets in 2013. And so I looked at games lost um, due to injury. Um, the top 
10 in 2012 had eight games lost due to injury and only four in 2013. But from 11 through 35, 36 with games lost due injury in 2012 and 72 in 2013. So to kind of explain where we lost um, some of the production in uh, 2013, there were twice as many injuries in the tight yeah. end 11 through 35 bracket than there was the year before. So, Interesting. So I, I, I think that if you just get back to, you know, average injury luck um, in that group, that, 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 that can get us right back to where we were in 2012 with the streamers. <clears throat> nice yeah. nice i dig it wow it's good stuff um so i think it's time that we uh do a little ranting since we haven't done that in a while um pat i are do you would you like to rant would you like us to go before you or do you want to go first um, or, or do you want to oh uh, I'll, I'll i'll listen to your rants and um and, and appreciate those i'm really not uh really have nothing to okay. rant about right now okay that's cool denny do you want to go first or second i i'll go first <clears throat> okay Go ahead. And I'll say this about that. I don't get I don't I don't get the I don't get drafting at this time. And I and I and I I uh I did I did that last year, a mock drafting at this time. I did it last year and I was it threw me off so much that I was basically like fu- you know furious that these values did not hold. It, it, for for any period of time so like the guys i was like oh man huge value in the whatever round sixth seventh round whatever it was suddenly became you know creeped up to like fourth round and then third round and then boom second round second round guys by you know not even draft day forget it like this summer so it that that messed with my mind too much i think i'm gonna i'm gonna commit right here on this show right now in front of you guys that i will not do a mock draft until May first. No. Boom. I said it. I said it. No. You can't do sorry, that. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Best of luck. Will you use mock draft ADP in any of your articles until May first? I no no, I I will do that. I have to do that. But 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 I will I will not participate in one. And I, I have to I have to stick by that because it drove me it it you know, it it drove me a little bit nuts last year. So uh <laughs> So that that that's what I'm doing. My rant is against myself, <clears throat> which is weird. But um, <laughs> so so May May first by May first I'm gonna do twenty I'm gonna do twenty two mock drafts on May first. Man, that's that's very impressive, Denny. Yeah, really. I mean, it's it's look at life is about setting goals, and I think Absolutely. that this is as admirable as a goal gets. You know, I mean, I I I I don't, I couldn't think of anything more admirable you know look at in in the the, you know in the human experience i think that you know when you're going to start mock mock fantasy football drafts is uh is is really up there Uh, hey hey never ever let your son when he can understand listen to this podcast (laughs) no no never i don't know how but i'm gonna burn these podcasts (laughs) (laughs) i want him to remember me well (laughs) yeah oh man unbelievable anyway so i I, look i'm not i'm not saying because i i see i see my that my best of besties on twitter including you jj Talking about your mock draft team day on Twitter. Hey, we're doing a number hey, fire one. I it's, saw it's you. Fun, I saw, okay? I it's saw, fun. They don't. There, there'll be no pretending here. 
By the way, can I just can I just say that I went Eddie Lacy, Brandon Marshall, and then I went Gio Bernard, Ray Rice, and Larry Fitzgerald as my first five picks. I'm I'm pretty excited. Listen, about I that. want I want to get excited about that, but I refuse. I refuse to get excited <laughs> about that. <laughs> no, no, I will not. I don't care. I, there, that's that's that sounds. Well, I already I was already the, I, I was just a fantasy douche. Uh, right, it's talking about your own team. Yeah, I should never have done that. Well, it's okay. Listen, I I want to get excited for you, but I'm just gonna say no. Mock drafts are dead to me for the next what two and a half months. By that time, I'll be, I'll be fiending pretty hard, guys. So pray for me. <laughs> Straight to the oh. MFL tens. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh my god, I can't believe people are investing in those already. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? No. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it's happening. No. With rookies not knowing where they're going. Right. Stop it. That is. Oh yeah, it's very. It's happening oh, like crazy. My. That I don't even know what to say. I don't even know. The, 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 the sickness is real. That's what that means. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. Oh man. Anyway, I'm gonna uh, make this podcast a little more serious for a second. Um. So. So sorry for stopping everyone's laughter like a, a mean teacher. Yes. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do want to kind of get this off my chest because I didn't. So when this whole Michael Sam situation happened last night, I didn't really go to Twitter. I, you know, I don't I, I've, I've learned my lesson in the past of going to Twitter with anything that's that's opinionated in any way like that. in that situation, something very sensitive. I, I really don't want to go to Twitter and talk in 140 characters about something that is much bigger than 140 characters. Um, so, you know, I'm not usually one to talk about politics and I'd rather not get into an argument about anything outside of, of who should be an RB one or who shouldn't. Um, but I think that this is really important. So, you know, we learned that Michael Sam is, is gay and he's entering the NFL as the first openly gay football player, though the whole world knows that, there are statistically tons of them in the NFL right now. Um, so what I'm ranting about tonight is the reaction that some people uh, have had to the news. Um, and, you know, the one thing that I do want to say is that, you know, a ton of people, and I'd, I'd easily say the majority, which is fantastic, are so in favor of Sam, and it's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, but there are, you know, there are some people who really just don't get it, and they don't understand what's actually happening. Uh, you know, whenever it first came out, you saw that Patrick Creighton, who, uh, you know, I'll I'll say bad things about his NFL career, but Patrick Creighton uh, tweeted that he didn't understand why S uh, Michael Sam needed to talk about his sexual orientation because straight people don't announce their sexual orientation. Why do gay people oh, need to announce their sexual orientation? He doesn't understand. So, I, you know. I, I just want to say, and, and the thing is that other people that, that I follow, other people that, that are in our industry and talk about football all the time, they, they followed suit and they said the same kind of things. And I, I don't think people understand that it's because straight people don't face the same uh, daily ridicule that, that, uh, that gays do. Ridic ridicule that was much worse than it, than it is today, I, I will give you that. But it's still ridicule that I don't think other people really comprehend or realize. And it's it's because straight NFL players don't really understand what a gay player goes through. You know, they don't they don't get that homosexuality has to be so openly accepted or that, that homosexuality has been so openly accepted over the last 15, uh, 10 or 15 years throughout this country. But their sport, football, has consistently avoided the topic. And I think what's so important here is that Michael Sam is clearly changing that. Um, so I think, honestly, that anyone that agrees with Patrick Creighton and I don't I don't mean this to sound 
uh, ignorant or mean in any way. But I think the people that do agree with Patrick Creighton are ones who have never really befriended a homosexual before. Because once you know someone who is gay and once you have seen the struggles that they've faced, I think that your life has changed. And I think that you really view the topic in a different way. So, you know, everyone that's listening, you know, you don't have to agree with me about this rant necessarily. And you don't have to, you know, pat me on the back on Twitter after you listen to it. Uh, All that I ask is that you stop having such strong opinions against what's good. And what I mean by that is that any time that you talk about someone's being and who they are in a negative way, you're not talking good. And I think that that's one thing to take away with this Michael Sam situation is that you need to realize the good in the situation that he is a human as as we are. So instead, embrace the fact that our culture is soon going to accept a human being and hopefully a group of human beings and other athletes and other NFL players that come out for who they really are. And I think that's all we can ever ask for. Well said. Yeah. Thanks. I, yeah, totally agreed. And uh, I, I would say that whoever says that, um, you know, that, that, that straight NFL players don't announce their sexuality um, really do, they don't understand the, uh, the, the privilege the, that, you know, that a, uh, that a straight person has in, in, in being, in being the norm and, in, in, you know, right. abiding by societal norms. And, and, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's something that, uh, if you can't, <clears throat> if you can't see that, then you're going to say pretty ignorant stuff like that. So that's, I, right. that's not surprising right. in, in some ways. You know, everyone, and the thing that's, that's the most frustrating is that the people that are saying those things, they have things that are different about them that just aren't as so openly different or something that's, you know, it's something more internal. And it's a shame that as a result, you have situations where people are actually saying that the reason Michael Sam is coming out is because he's promoting himself as a player. And it's like, you know, and in situations like that, it's like, when are you, when are you supposed to come out? The guy who came out to his team for over the last year, I mean, that he was openly gay with them. So you know, it's not like this is a, a timely thing. This is something that he did because he felt the time was right. And so, I, you know, I, and I, I really just, I hate hate. I, I cannot stand it. I can't stand when people are completely, uh, you know, completely negative about a situation that is so good and so powerful. Um, and so I just, I really needed to get that off my chest. Well, there, there were about 50 other ways that he could have promoted himself in a more right, effective right. way, considering that what one or two unnamed GMs said that he might go undrafted now on draft. Right, right. Because, exactly. because of this announcement. So I don't, I can't, I just can't imagine that someone would see this as, as a, uh, as a ploy to be like, Hey, Hey everyone draft me now. You know, that's, yeah. that's, it's the opposite really. It's, it's draft me despite your natural inclination to be freaked out by what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. Yeah. And th- the one thing that's also a little bit annoying is that it-, it seems like when a situation like this does occur, and I, I've been guilty of it for sure in the past, but it's something that I've, I've hopefully learned is, is the whole idea that, you know, you don't need to openly have an opinion, uh, an opinion instantly on the subject. And this is a, a situation. I'm not, I'm not saying this is similar, but it's, it's the, the situation I'm saying the situation itself is not similar, but um, from a dynamic standpoint, it's, it's similar to like the, the Richie incognito thing when that first came out and everyone needed to have a really strong opinion about it right away. And, you know, that was more facts based, but it's still a situation where, you know, I, I don't think that we need fantasy bloggers to instantly 
give their opinion on on gay rights, but I think that they need to do it to educate others yeah. and to to make them understand why this is a big deal, not necessarily force it down their throats. It, well, it's it's the it's the kind of hot take culture that we're in, like right, like right. Th- th- this thing happened. My hot take, boom, you know, my column, right, you know, right. and and it, that that can't that just can't be can't be good just can't no it's 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 not good and we saw so many articles written on the subject instantly like right after right after he came out and you know it's it's fine to have a take but i you know it's it's another thing whenever you're then trying to get clicks by having a strong opinion about something when you don't necessarily have that opinion right so just throwing it out there anyway Pat, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, you guys too. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. And also, thank you for your support um, of my work. You know, since I, since I started 11 months ago, you two have been uh, champions of, of my work. Um, and uh, that means a lot to me. I really appreciate that. Yeah, man. We only we only pimp the good stuff. <laughs> 11 months? Dude, I, man, I can't believe it's only been 11 months. But yeah, keep, keep it up. And everybody, uh, please check out um, uh, Pat's uh, elevator pitch for that for that fantasy game um on uh it's on profootballfocus.com uh it's the the title of the article is fsta elevator pitch uh daily fantasy football evolution and it really is i mean that 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 says it all it really is an evolution i, I suggest you you check it out and uh and and get degenerate with it yeah and and and, and pat's probably one of my favorite follows on twitter he's at pat underscore thorman so check him out there, and then he'll link you to all his fun pro football focus articles that he's got going on. Thanks, guys. Anyway, yeah. So Denny, where where can everyone find you before you leave? At CD Carter thirteen on Twitter, and um, as far as I know, and I don't know who who to ask about this, but as far as I know, I'm writing articles only at XN Sports for the for this off season. Oh my gosh, so are you kidding me? Instead of naming fourteen sites, I'll just name the one. Which is holy XN crap, sports. that is. That's very impressive. It's big, if true. Your portfolio is <laughs> shrunk. Yeah. Uh, I'm JJ Zacharyson. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at LateRoundQB. So, uh, yeah, check me out, uh, numberfire.com. And, Pat, if you'd like, uh, I don't know if you've if you've ever heard us talking about getting milkshakes, but if you would like to come join us, then feel free. I love milkshakes. All right, let's go get them. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We will catch you maybe in maybe in less than a month and a half. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the internet podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long, it's fast. For more fantasy football info, check out LakeGroundQB.com. Hope you come back soon as we share about the team.